With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You keep up with that good math, young man. We we probably had... Oh, sorry, Rose. American Underground Network. <laughs> the primary reason why the individual citizens of a country create a political structure is a subconscious wish or desire to perpetuate their own dependency relationship of childhood. Simply put, they want a human god to eliminate all risk from their life. Pat them on the head, kiss their bruises, put a chicken on every dinner table, clothe their bodies, tuck them into bed at night, and tell them that everything will be all right when they wake up in the morning. This public demand is incredible, so the human god, the politician, meets incredibility with incredibility by promising the world and delivering nothing. So who is the bigger liar, the public or the godfather? All revolutions have been led by young people. If you just think of the TV images of whether it's Tiananmen Square or whether it's the uh, revolts in Central America or Europe, it's the young people, it's the college people who are more principled and not locked in and they're not embedded with the government. They are the ones who are concerned about the future because the future is theirs. My research has shown at this point that the future laid out for us may be just about impossible to change. I do not agree with the means by which the powerful few have chosen for us to reach the end. I do not agree that the end is where we should end at all. But unless we can wake the people from their sleep, nothing short of civil war will stop the planned outcome. It's the National Collective Consciousness Show with Dee Dee Farrell in Portland, Oregon, Jim Condit Jr. in Cincinnati, Ohio, Steve Harris in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, live from Evanston, Illinois, your host, Fred Smart. Welcome, everyone. Uh, a really momentous uh, week of, of, of new developments, new changes, uh, new things going on, and uh, the news today, this uh, bogus uh, impeachment resolution uh, is starting uh, to be unmasked as we speak. Uh, all over the world, people are realizing this is really not a fair, just uh, impeachment uh, process. And uh, the, the, the wheels are coming <laughs> undone, unglued off of this, uh, this corrupt machine that's been trying to unseat our duly elected president, Donald J. J. Trump. Uh, before we get underway with our special guest, Charles Lingerfeld tonight, uh, would like to thank everyone for their prayers, for the well-being of, of our collective family, friends, uh, people who have been jailed. The news tonight, thanks to Rose Lear, 
sharing the special news about Ed and Elaine Brown. Uh, they could be on their way out out uh, out, out of prison uh, uh, if if uh, Rose can stay on the call. And if she doesn't, uh, we will cover the, more of the details of that story after Charles's presentation. But uh, the big news this week is not only this impeachment bogus fraudulent uh, uh, cause of action, but it's all wrapped up into events that our president and 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 our. our our, our foreign policy is starting to reassert uh, more fair, grounded, uh, foundational uh, efforts to assert our power in the world. And uh, one key component of that power has been the spread of our influence all throughout the Middle East. And some of the critical areas of both Syria, Turkey, uh, have, have uh, impacted uh, a multitude of different people there. And Charles Lingerfeld, our guest tonight, has spent, has spent a lot of time, extensive amount of time. He's the founder of the Kurdish American School, traveled to and from uh, Turkey, Kurdistan, knows many, many people from that part of the region. And uh, we just had a recent resolution from Congress to uh, declare the Armenian genocide as having existed, as, as being a true genocide. Charles will talk about that as well as our foreign policy in that region of the world. Uh, Charles Hills from Texas. He's a grassroots organizer, human rights a- activist, conservative Republican. He's got his own barbecue restaurant down there. He's got his hands in a lot of pots for freedom and liberty and justice throughout his entire career. He's ran for Congress uh, more than a few times. He and his wife have, have stood up for the cause of freedom and liberty. Behind every good man is a good wife, and we want to salute his wife, uh, uh, Charles, both of you have uh, done so much, and you post on Facebook and you share uh, on social media your your your, uh, your work that's, that's been done in that part of the world for Kurdistan. If you could just bring us up to date, this is your third appearance on our call on our show. We really appreciate your your time in, in sharing your goodwill about that uh, region on our show tonight. Thank you, Brad. Can you hear me okay? Sure, sounds great, Charles. <laughs> okay, good. Yes, I'm Charles Lingerfeld, Tennessean by birth, Texan by choice. I've been in Texas <laughs> since 1969 as a resident and uh, 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 really have had my hands in the fire uh, uh, in many different uh, ways. I got involved somewhat in politics in 1972 when I met Senator uh, John Tower from Texas, who is now deceased from a plane crash in Georgia, as you may well remember, and uh, uh, didn't quite... Uh, I had a doctor friend in Central Texas who wanted to introduce me to the senator and did, here in Dallas at uh, one of his uh, functions. And uh, he asked me to get involved in his campaign in Texas and uh, help him to get reelected, and so I did. I thought it would only work in six, in one county, but ended up working in seven counties in Central Texas. And uh, that year in 73, he won his reelection campaign by, by uh, more than 300,000 votes. And so uh, in 1976, I feel like that I voted for the wrong 
person for president, uh, Jimmy Carter, and been ashamed of it ever since. And uh, I tell people that uh, I've been working ever since uh, uh, from a conservative standpoint to make up for that wrong. But in 1987, I met uh, two Curtis families here in Dallas. Uh, didn't know at that time who Kurds were. Didn't even know the word. Didn't even know there was a person called a Kurd. Uh, didn't know about Kurdistan at all. Uh, but I uh, met them and sat by the poolside and listened to their story about uh, Saddam Hussein. I knew of him, read about him, heard about him. And uh, they were here in uh, Dallas because they came here uh, as refugees uh, seeking for freedom. And uh, their story and their plight really touched me, and uh, I became involved uh, in uh, getting acquainted with them. I've been friends with the Kurds for over 32 years now. Uh, made 24 trips to Kurdistan, Iraqi Kurdistan, and uh, 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 the Kurdish part over in northern Syria. Uh, been through Texas, uh, been through uh, Turkey a number of times, but uh, in this day and time, because of my writings and et cetera, and uh, I refuse to go through Istanbul and Turkey anymore. Um, I've been all over the southeastern part of, of Turkey, visited with PKK. I know many of them and uh, visited with uh, Peshmerga on the mountains in Turkey, in Syria, and in uh, northern Iraq. Uh, been across the border in Iran uh, just uh, for shortly, just to meet some Kurds, and then come back across into uh, Iraq as uh, quickly as possible. And uh, I'll be going back over there this month in November, coming back before Thanksgiving to be with my family. And so uh, I have a, a deep love and appreciation for the Kurdish people because of my involvement with them. And uh, it's uh, once you get to know the Kurdish people, uh, they treat you so uh, well, uh, like a part of their family. Uh, it's almost an institution. You uh, you really are loved and appreciated as an American, and uh, because they love America, they love the United States, and uh, and uh, I love them as well. So maybe that's uh, a brief segment there to uh, uh, summary uh, about my work. Uh, leading up to what ha what occurred this last uh, Saturday uh, evening in northern Syria. Now, now Charles, they, they they we took out Al Baghdadi. That was the big, big, big story. But yeah. prior to that, we we uh, <clears throat> Trump, our foreign policy in our State Department made the move to remove about fifty to fifty to sixty. Uh, uh, personnel from our army or from our armed services out yeah. of that region. Uh, and uh, there seemed to be a piling on effect coming from the liberal left that, that, that uh, you know, here they were supposedly for many years anti-war, which is a fraud, but they were really piling on 
and, uh, and and now you know, behind the scenes we see this tremendous sign of coordination and support for the takeout of al Baghdadi from many quarters. Uh, it yeah. seems like uh, this whole thing is is really uh, risen up to be much greater and much better than what originally appeared two weeks ago. I'm glad you mentioned that, uh, Fred. Um, I was uh, somewhat concerned when uh, President Trump moved our uh, military people uh, over into northern Iraq, away from uh, the border there. At that time, it all looked like that we were just pulling out totally and, uh, you know, we're going to bring our soldiers home. But, you know, this special operation had been in the works, uh, from what they tell us, for three weeks, and it had been canceled on two uh, occasions. And so now that we hear uh, what President Trump has told us on Sunday morning and what the, uh, our defense secretary has told us and what the uh, presiding general from from uh, the defense department has told us, it kind of looks like uh, uh, President Trump was pulling our troops out of the way so that they would not, if this uh, really blew up into a situation, and uh, yeah, and we got involved in, uh, which we got involved in some small fire, but we were able to knock it out and uh, and overcome it quite quickly. But if you look back now uh, and consider uh, President Trump's decision, moving the troops, and then this, uh, the timing and the uh, and all the conditions looked well, and so they went ahead with this uh, raid, this covert operation, which started around 9 o'clock uh, a.m. Uh, a. Washington time, but uh, that was 5 o'clock p.m. Uh, in Syrian time. And I've been there in uh, both countries at about this time of the year, 5 p.m., and it, it's getting dark. Yeah. Um, Matter of fact, when uh, there was one time, <laughs> there was one time we were over there teaching school, and uh, this was several years ago, maybe 2007, and it was uh, uh, we taught our classes from four to six. Well, at about 5:15 or so, uh, the electricity went off, and we were all sitting in the dark. I had about 42 students in the class, and. Uh, all of them were sitting in the dark, and I couldn't see them, and they couldn't see me. So all of a sudden, they pulled out their cell phones and turned oh, on cool. the lights. And for about 30 to 45 minutes, I finished finished my class uh, with the lights of the cell phone. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's quite interesting. Uh, I remember that quite well. But the helicopters went in carrying the teams, the elite personnel, the troops, including Delta Force operators and uh, entertained some small fire to begin with, but were uh, uh, very quickly able to eradicate it, put it out, and uh, uh, climb over the walls and uh, go in to raid the uh, location. And uh, uh, had to, uh, I think there were four women that had uh, themselves. Uh, you know, prepared with suicide bombs, and when they mm-hmm. refused to uh, cooperate with our 
uh, special ops, and they were taken out. Uh, Eleven children were brought out with them, and so uh, al-Baghdadi takes off running with uh, three of his own children. I've never heard whether those were male or female uh, children or what or a combination, but I have a tendency to believe because in that part of the world, uh, Arabs and and all Middle Easterners uh, have a deep appreciation of their sons. So I believe there may have been sons that he Mm -hmm. grabbed and took with him of course, he knew the tunnel had no uh, exit, and uh, I'm not sure if he really wanted to. Uh, uh, I, I, I felt have a feeling that he knows how he was going to end, mm-hmm. um, but uh, because of their uh, their great love, it's al- it's almost a passion that they have for their sons. I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, they love their sons more than they love their wives, and they, and they love their huh. sons more than they love their daughters. It's a, it's huh. a passion for them. So uh, I just have a feeling maybe he, if he was going to be taken out, he was going to take out his sons uh, with him and them not be left behind uh, for what might entail in the future. So that's just a personal thought that I uh-huh. had in uh, recent days. But it was quite a successful operation, and uh, I really uh, appreciate uh, our our troops and and what our our personnel have done in taking down the world's most wanted uh, terrorists. And uh, it was already decided on who was to take his place. And not very long after that, uh, hours so later, they knew where the uh, the replacement was, and uh, they had uh, gone there with uh, uh, some special ops and, and, and even taken him out. So uh, They took out the replacement already? They got the replacement and about an hour later, yes. Wow. They already okay. took him out. Wow. And his name was Abu, too. So uh, <clears throat> I would think, uh, unless they want to have name their sons Abu as memorials, but I would think yeah. that uh, that ought to be a, a negative for them and start naming their sons by different names instead of Abu. Uh, okay. So anyway, uh, they got the replacement out also about an hour to an hour and a half later. And uh, I guess you heard today about the threat that uh, the congresswoman from Minnesota has made, Ilhan Omar. No, from no. Australia. She made a threat against uh, President Bush, uh, President uh, Trump, and said that uh, he will suffer severe consequences because of the murder of uh, Bakir al-Baghdadi. Really? So, uh, yeah, she made a threat against him. I posted something on my Facebook about it, and I directed something at her. I hope she reads it. I said... Uh, um, how dare you come to this country from Somalia and uh, as a jihadist terrorist and threaten our president? And um, you will have hell to pay, shoulder. Um, I come unglued every once in a while. I'm a passionate man myself, and uh, I feel like my heart and, and soul and everything is right. Uh, uh, I serve God with all my heart, soul, and spirit, and 
Um, I, I, I love people. I've always loved people. My grandfather and my father and mother taught me that from a child growing up. I just uh, make friends easily, and I've done so in uh, various parts of the world. And uh, I love people. Uh, I especially have a a passion and love for the Kurdish people because their story has, for more than 32 years, really touched my life. And uh, I uh, I really... I really admire them. I admire the Peshmerga. Uh, they they love and respect me as an American. I've spent many nights out out there on the mountains with the officers and generals and and troops, and uh, they always love it when I come out there to see them and spend some time with them. But it's because of my love and appreciation for them and their people. Uh, Charles, the Kurds have a have a reputation for being fierce fighters. Uh, could you explain uh, where that came from and 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 how they've been able to survive uh, as as a semi-autonomous? Uh, they don't have their own country, but they have a region and they occupy that region with uh, yeah. with great great uh, self-respect for their heritage. Yeah, they do. Yes, they do. Well, you know uh, the uh, Kurds uh, come from the same loins as the Medes. And one of the greatest empires of the past was the Medo-Persian Empire. And uh, uh, they're from the loins, uh, actually the same loins as uh, uh, referring back. And, and they'll tell you that we are, the, we are a derivative from the Medes and the Median, Median Empire. Uh, they, they admit that very freely to you, to me, and others. And... Uh, from the same loins uh, goes originally to uh, Father Abraham. And out of oh, those wow. loins come uh, the Israelis and uh, as well as the, uh, the, the, the uh, Medes. And uh, the Medes were even mentioned way back yonder in biblical history, Old Testament, and even in the New Testament. Uh, if you read in the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles, on the day of Pentecost, there were people there in Jerusalem celebrating uh, from 17 different foreign nations. And Medes are one of those nations that were represented there in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost when God uh, gathered the 120 together in the upper room and the Holy Spirit descended upon them. So the Medes were there. And... Uh, then this, the word Peshmerga uh, comes actually and, and actually means uh, fight to the death. And so okay. it's because of their, their, their military style and spirit and courageousness that they're called Peshmerga. And um, it, it simply means we will fight to the death. And that's one of the reasons that um, Saddam Hussein feared them. He, he never admitted it, but in reality, he really honestly feared the uh, Peshmerga, the Kurdish Peshmerga and the Kurds, uh, because they intimidated him because of their fighting spirit. And in yeah. the war, 1980, from 1980 to 1988, during the Reagan years, when the uh, uh, Iraqis were fighting uh, the Iranian forces across the border, 
what actually happened there is uh, he loved to uh, bring in the Kurds into his army, and because I've met one of the one of the officers there in Erbil uh, about two or three years back, he's a barber now, but he was fighting in that battle, and he was an officer. And uh, Saddam Hussein liked to put his uh, his uh, Kurdish fighters on the front line. So actually, they'd be lobbing these uh, military fire across the border, and, and Iranians did the same thing. So in, in reality, we had uh, Kurds killing Kurds, and that was one of the plans to have them fight each other so that um, many of them would be killed off. But... Uh, as it so happened, I believe that God protected them and not many of them were lost. They certainly weren't wiped out because, and I don't think at this point, it's almost like the Jew, you know, Iran rises up and those puppets in Tehran say, we want to wipe them from the face of the earth. We're going to destroy them. Well, that ain't going to happen because we know the Jewish people are the apple of God's eye. They're settled in now into their homeland, and uh, uh, God's not going to remove them again. He's not going to allow them to be removed. And uh, uh, Russia can come down as they have out of the north, the bear out of the north, and settle in Syria and uh, prepare them and the Turks uh, and the Iranians to do battle against Israel. But you know what? And uh, There may be a, a war there that they may attack uh, try to attack Israel uh, before too long from now, and uh, but they're going to be destroyed because there's prophetic scripture in the Old Testament about the Cossack soldiers being slaughtered and uh, on the mountains of Israel, and uh, he, their bodies will lay there for seven years, and they'll feed the fowls of the air. So, uh, yes. The Kurdish Peshmerga and the Kurds do have a courageous fighting spirit about themselves, and uh, I believe it was given to them by God Himself. Wow, Charles. Now let's go to the Armenians. How do they fit into this whole fabric in that in that region? We have a declaration from our Congress to acknowledge their Armenian genocide, and uh, the the perpetrators of that genocide from what I understand, were, were the Turks. And there was a group called the Young Turks that yes. uh, executed that genocide. Could you explain a little bit more in detail how, how the Armenians got, got involved there? And where do the Turk, uh, Kurds fit into that? Yeah. Well, the Kurds actually helped fight some in that, in that uh, uh, battle up there, uh, Turks against the uh, Armenians. And okay. uh, the Armenians... Uh, were a very good people. Uh, some of the first Christians that began to uh, encompass the rest of the world uh, were Armenians. And okay, so yeah. the Turks uh, began a war in the, uh, the teens of the early 1900s and uh, began to, uh, again, I believe the Turks intimidate, were intimidated by the Armenians. They uh, they, too, had a fighting spirit, but because they were courageous and of pure mind and et cetera, a pure heart, uh, the Turks wanted to eliminate them because they didn't want 
uh, they felt intimidated and they didn't want them claiming any of their land uh, across that border between Turkey and Armenia. So they uh, propagated this war, as you know, in World War One, and, and established uh, a huge fighting uh, machine that began to slaughter a lot of people. And uh, more than a million Armenians were slaughtered and killed and murdered. I mean, I've seen some video of it. My grandfather, Lingerfeld, actually was in the U.S. Army as a sergeant and was sent to Turkey in that war between 1914 and 1917 and was fighting in Turkey and helped to bring down the Ottoman Empire. It was a strong uh, empire. And from that uh, slaughtering and murdering, uh, the Turks never did want to claim uh, that they were uh, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the the perpetrators. perpetrators. Yes, yeah, that's right. And uh, they've denied it all these years, all these years, and and now we finally have some uh, people in Congress that have some spine to themselves and and uh, brought up this uh, piece of legislation, and it has has passed. Uh, laying the blame at Turkey's door, uh, but because of the dictator they have in rule now, Erdogan, um, he doesn't want to accept that, and none of them ever have wanted to accept it, because yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I think they probably fear of uh, being taken to uh, a world court and being tried, uh, like some of those other people over in Europe and Asia have been have been tried uh, in most recent years, uh, taken to the world court and found guilty and, uh, you know, uh, removed from the face of the earth. So uh, that's what it's all, that's what that's all about there between the Turks and the Armenians. But uh, we we don't hear too much from the Armenians anymore. Uh, I've met many of them uh, working my way down through Turkey and uh, they were, there were some that came across into Turkey and met a friend of mine and, and me, and they were asking us for, for Bibles, if we could get them some Bibles because they had some friends who they were working with across the border in Iran. And uh, some of those Iranians had come to know Christianity and received Christianity and were... Uh, were really needing some scriptures so that they can read, and the Armenians were seeking us to get some Bibles for them, uh, to them, which we did from the Gideons, and got them in their hands, and they uh, actually uh, went across the border uh, in such a way, and their Bibles never were noticed, uh, and uh, they carried those Bibles into Iran, and distributed them to these men who wanted to have Bible studies and invite families to their their homes and these Bible studies. So uh, thank God for what he's doing, you know, uh, in the midst of uh, peril and slaughter and murder, God still has a work that goes on in spite of evil mankind. Wow. That's a, that's a great story. Uh, one of my fathers, my late 
my father passed away 23 years ago, Charles, and, and growing up as a, as a kid in Pelham, New York, one of his best friends was an Armenian. And uh, later on, when my dad did some outreach work, uh, actually uh, consulting for air, air, air oil companies, United States oil companies, he traveled all over the Middle East, interviewed the Palestinian leaders all over the Middle East to document the rise of Arab nationalism warning the oil companies in America that they needed to acknowledge this or else there'd be a, a oil crisis. And uh, because of the Israeli lobby, uh, he was pushed back. And bottom line is that the Arab oil crisis did happen. But my father's Armenian friend just was enraged uh, because of my father's outreach to the Palestinian voice in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, my dad wasn't against the Jews, but he was against the uh, Israeli lobby uh, from preventing the oil companies to acknowledge uh, the, the, the rise of Arab nationalism, because it was, it was a force in the Middle East that was being denied, the, the, yeah. the, the voice of Palestinians back in those days. Yeah. And but I the agree. Armenians were the oldest Christian sect, I believe. The Armenians on the hill in, in Jerusalem, uh, they, they occupy one of the oldest uh, uh, roles uh, keeping the Temple Mount in Jerusalem uh, up, up there. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And uh, there were many, uh, uh, from New Testament forward, there were many uh, who, who took the gospel into that. Uh, and, and, of course, you know, think about Noah and the ark after the flood waters went down and the ark resting upon Mount Ararat, which was over oh, yeah. in that uh, eastern part of Turkey, not far yeah. from the border, Turkey and Armenia. And, uh, and, and so uh, uh, there were many Armenians that were uh, raised up in, from Noah's time all the way into the New Testament time. So they heard these biblical stories, and then when... Um, the uh, Christians were dispersed and scattered during the first century and thereafter. Uh, many of them went into Armenia and they took the gospel with them. And many Armenians came uh, to know uh, the Lord as wow. Savior. And, and uh, 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 you might have heard of this uh, guy who's passed away now. His name was Demos Shakarian who uh, was a great Christian man and uh, was a friend to uh, Paul Crouch and his wife and family of TBN, Trinity Broadcasting Network. Mm. And he did a lot of work, Dima Shikarian did, and with his message of uh, God's love and God's grace. And uh, he carried his message from uh, many, uh, to many parts of the world. I heard him speak in Houston one time back when I was a very younger man, probably in the in the 70s, and he was just a remarkable speaker. Went down front afterwards and shook his hand, and he was uh, he was Armenian, and oh, God, wow. he God had a special blessing upon his life and and leadership, and was a businessman, Armenian businessman who felt the need to carry the gospel to uh, many parts of the world, and he did. 
and um, I, I'm very privileged to get to meet him one night and shake his hand. But uh, yes, some of the first churches uh, ever in Christianity uh, were founded in Armenia. Yeah. And, uh, wow. Yeah. I think that's probably part of the reason why the Turks went after them. They saw them as a rising, moving uh, body of people that was growing, and they felt yeah. threatened by those uh, Christians uh, who were who were growing by leaps and bounds in that part that part of the world. So uh, there are, there is something about dictators when they're in rule. Uh, they they establish such power and ruthlessness that when uh, they see people that are strong and courageous and have a, a strong fighting spirit like Kurds and, and yeah. Armenians, they feel threatened and, uh, and intimidated. And uh, the very first thing that comes to their mind is we got to get these people out of the way or they're going to yeah. remove us from our power and our dynamic. You know, so uh, Saddam was was very well that way, and thought that way with uh, with the Kurds. Wow, wow. Hey, Charles, uh, bring us up to date. Uh, all of us got together behind Aaron Russo's movie, and prior to that, Bob Schultz, We the People Foundation, and we backed Ron Paul uh, very, very heavily. Uh, bring us up to date. Is Donald Trump sort of this capstone culmination of this Tea Party movement of freedom and liberty, is not to put him on the pedestal, but he really has come onto the world stage uh, totally unexpected by the powers that be and is occupying almost like a, 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 a tremendous uh, spiritual political force of nature, uh, this, this bulk, bulk work against this deep state leviathan. Is is are, are, is this reality TV or is this the real thing? It seems like the real thing. It is the real thing. Uh, uh, there are many. I say many. There's there's probably a handful of people you've heard of some of them who uh, prophesied that uh, about Donald Trump becoming president, and it was mm-hmm. uh, seven years before he even announced that he was going to run for president. And uh, uh, at the time in January of, of uh, 2016, I had really not heard of any of those people who gave prophecies forth. And I hadn't even uh, noticed their, uh, uh, noticed their videos. Uh-huh. And so, uh, I'm a personal friend with Ted Cruz and his father, Raphael. I've known Raphael oh, wow. about 17 years, and he and I are very good friends. And Ted was uh, occupying a, a, an office down in Austin with the Attorney General and uh, was very successful in, uh, uh, in, in, in that department and had gone to the Supreme Court and uh, spoken, uh, fought with some cases. One case that he went to the Supreme Court uh, for Texas, the state of Texas, was for that Ten Commandments uh, monument on the state capitol grounds 
and fought at the Supreme Court to when the atheist and liberal leftists tried to come in and remove that from the Capitol grounds. Uh, Ted Cruz was the one that was selected by the Attorney General to go take it to Supreme Court, battle it, fight it, and, and win it, which he did. And so I've been there before that battle and seen the, the monument. Uh, on It's a small monument that actually sits on the uh, uh, on the state capitol in Austin, and I've been there with some rallies since. And so I know I know the monument. I know where it is. I can take you to there uh, and uh, to there and show it to you uh, Im- immediately from the parking lot. And uh, so Ted uh, won that battle and gained notoriety and uh, was uh, it ran for Senate and a very tight race, uh, but he ended up win it, winning and becoming one of our senators from Texas. I uh, I did some uh, grassroots organizing and uh, work here in North Texas and in a number of different counties and helped them to win. And uh, as we had boots on the ground working for him all over Texas, uh, the guy that he ran against was just, uh, uh, we mostly feel, was a rhino, Republican in name only and uh, was not going to be a strong conservative, so we wanted Ted to be our uh, U.S. senator. He won. And as you know, later on, it wasn't too long before he became a candidate for president of the United States. And we had a large number of candidates who were running, and you know the competition between uh, Donald Trump and these candidates on the stages and uh, uh, etc. And I had already committed myself to vote for Ted Cruz. Uh, this was uh, prior to and during the month of January 19, uh, 2016. Uh, I made a commitment to Ted. I shook his hand and told him, I, I said, I'll vote for you in the primary because we had several running in the primary. And I said, I'll do everything that I can to influence other people to vote for you. But in January 2016, I was here in my office, and uh, I was down on my knees in prayer praying. And uh, uh, my, uh, my arms and elbows were in the, uh, the office chair, and I was praying and seeking God. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what people think of this, but I've told it so many times it really doesn't bother me if people disagree or what. But I've, yep. uh, I, uh, I felt and heard the voice of the Holy Spirit speak to me, and he said these words. I, I clearly heard it. I, I've, uh, since I was 15 years of age, uh, the first time I heard God speak to me was at age 15. And so since then, I've heard him on two or three or four different occasions. And in January 2016, he spoke to me again with the Holy Spirit. And here are the words that he spoke to me. And he said, I am bringing a man out of the woods, and he is going to be the next president of the United States. Those are the words exactly. 
And wow. then I get through hearing those words, then automatically I see a vision uh, with my eyes closed or an image of Donald Trump moving from right to left in my mind, blonde hair and all, and and that's, that's what God was showing me. And I said, wow, God, if this is you now, I'm going to, I'm going to need you to confirm it to me. And uh, he confirmed it through several different prayers after, uh, like about three different prayers after I heard the voice. And um, I, I wondered if I should say something about it on my Facebook or not. Because I was working with the Republican Party, and I was yeah. working with the Tea Party as well, because I saw a lot of good happening in the Tea Party and a lot of good coming from those people in the Tea Party. I know um, uh, Rand Paul. I know Ron Paul. I've known Ron Paul from uh, one of our uh, state convention meetings in Austin, Texas, for about, uh, I don't know, it must be uh, since back in the 70s and 80s. And uh, I met him in Austin, shook his hand, and we talked there at his booth. And uh, and I learned to love and appreciate him. And um, so I, I, I thought it would be best for me to go ahead and say something about it on my Facebook page, which I did, mm-hmm. and I told the story. And I wow. and here's what happened. And, um, and because... Uh, spoke it out and said that. Now, I also said, because I know Ted Cruz and his father, and I've made a commitment to vote for Ted Cruz in the primary, I am going to vote for Ted Cruz because I'm not going to go back on my word. My word yeah. is my bond. And I want to be firm in my word. But here's what I feel in my spirit. Ted Cruz mm-hmm. is going to take Texas. Ted Cruz is going to win the Iowa caucus. Uh, Donald Trump is going to win New Hampshire and South Carolina and sweep the South. And Donald Trump is going to end up being the nominee for the Republican Party because God said to me in the Holy Spirit, I am bringing a man out of the woods and he is going to be the next president of the United States. And so wow. God, that's what happened. <laughs> That's what oh, happened. man. And um, I had some uh, some people in the Ted Cruz, uh, some of his workers, uh, mostly women, who got upset with me and won't speak to me this day because they felt oh. like that I should stay loyal to Ted Cruz throughout the whole throughout the whole uh, 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 procedures. But yeah. when Donald Trump became the nominee, then. Uh, I made it known that I was going to vote for Donald Trump uh, to become president, and I did. And uh, I'm not ashamed of my vote. Uh, I'll vote for him again in 2020. But, yes, Donald Trump is a real thing, Fred. He's bold. He's courageous. And I believe because America was praying, God gave us a man who was bold and courageous, who would stand against the deep state in Washington and uh, take the onslaught from right and left, north and south, from every which direction. And he's been able to put out fiery darts and uh, 
and still stands. And so what we see that happened today in this phony impeachment inquiry and vote uh, to, uh, uh, to substantiate what Nancy Pelosi and uh, Shifty Schiff and these other Democrats are doing, I believe it's going to fall flat and, and uh, uh, it's going to knock them flat of the faces, you know. And I think uh, because, you know, if God, if God is who he says he is and God is faithful and just and righteous and we know that he is and he placed Donald Trump there for a purpose, God hasn't removed his hand from the man. His hand is still on him, and as long as Donald Trump will be faithful and loyal, and he's learned a lot from this. I didn't really understand what God meant when he said, I'm bringing him out of the woods. Well, mm-hmm. now I see what God meant because he needed a whole lot of work uh, on it. I mean, it was rough. <laughs> it was, uh, I mean, he, he, he had some bad language. Uh, he was yeah. rough, and God had to uh, carve that piece of wood out. And uh, when he asked for uh, um, uh, Dr., um, the, the man that's over health, education, and welfare, for his endorsement after he became the nominee, uh, I heard this from a man in South Lake, uh, Texas, who knows Donald Trump and has his number and can call him at any time at the White House. Oh, wow. He told me, he said, uh, uh, when Donald Trump asked for his uh, uh, endorsement, he said, I will endorse you if you will uh, promise me to do one thing. If you will allow these ministers, and he named them off to him, Dr. Yeah. Robert Jeffers of First Baptist Church was one. Uh, there were others. Uh, I won't go through, but there were 40 of them, and one was this lady from Tampa, Florida. He named her off, whom Donald Trump had a, had a great amount of appreciation for. If you will allow them to come in and uh, counsel with you and pray with you uh, and, uh, and allow them to uh, work with you at least for one hour a week. Now, that can be by phone. It can be by uh, at the White House. It can be by different ways. But you've got yeah. to allow these people to pray with you and work with you. And Donald Trump told him, I'll do anything that you ask me to do if you'll endorse me for president. And uh, he's been he's been loyal to that because uh, uh, wow. it's not broadcasted around. It's not, uh, you know, it's not one of those things that he wants yeah. to, you know, just talk about with everyone and every sure. everybody. But um, he's stayed true to his word, and God's done a lot of work on Donald Trump, and uh, uh, he probably has some work yet to do, but he's got some work to do on all of us, too. And uh, he certainly does have some work to do on me, but uh, I trust Donald Trump because I believe, I believe uh, as David was after, a man after God's own heart, I believe uh, Donald Trump is a president who has surrendered to God and really loves the United States of America and really wants to bring this nation uh, back to its standing where it once was in the eyes of the world, powerfully, courageously, uh, economically, and in every way. 
and I believe God is using Donald Trump to bring that to pass. So, yes, he's the real thing, Fred. He really is the real thing, and I, I believe it with all my heart. Wow. What a testament, uh, testimony, Charles. Uh, man, I don't want to take anything away from what you just said. Uh, all of us kind of feel, I think, on this call, we've been watching and praying and hoping. And, uh, yes, we get a little bit impatient sometimes, and we want something done a little bit faster. But uh, I truly feel, I think everyone can, can confirm, after today, uh, the Democrats have kind of made their bed here. They they had to commit because they were forced by a righteous force in the Republican Party to address at least the issue of fraudulent uh, procedure in this in yes. impeachment inquiry. Now that they have at least voted, uh, Trump can now go around the country and get that big righteous megahorn going. And, oh, yeah. and, and as more people discover what truly is happening, that megahorn is going to get bigger and bigger and louder. And I think that's, I, I can see that set up. Okay, can you see that? Yes, I can. He not only has the bully pulpit, he has the presidential lectern. And I believe he's going to use it over the next uh, 8, 9, 10, 11 months. And the people, the people of this country are going to get behind him in a in a in a momentum that we have never seen in this country, Fred, I believe this. The momentum is going to grow because the mojo is now going to be on uh, Trump's team. One thing that the Democrats uh, do not want to talk about is the matter of process. They're avoiding process. And there's a matter in legality uh, According to Constitution of the United States, there is a process by which you go about if uh, there is a, a person in who is a legal officer or a legal entity in in our government that needs to be removed because of treason or high crimes and misdemeanors. There is a process uh, that has been outlined for us in the Constitution uh, to go by. And the Democrats are not wanting to talk about that process, and they don't want to uh, go that process because that process will actually destroy uh, their game plan. And their game plan is to talk about this and keep it going. In about two weeks, they'll start some public hearings. They're still fishing for the big worm or the big fish that's going to uh, come out of the water, and and then they'll hold it on the line and say, here it is, here is what we've been looking for all along, and this is why we need to now, at this point, uh, uh, name the impeachment uh, articles, the articles of impeachment, and then they'll go from that to the to the House. I, I see this clearly as the Democrats and the liberals wanting to, uh, you know, you go back to the time when uh, Clinton was impeached. I, mm-hmm. I, I watched on a daily basis, and I saw the anger from the left and from the Democrats uh, uh, and the liberals. There's a difference between the liberals and the left. 
there's a total okay. difference there between those two. And yep. uh, the leftists uh, in this country are pure anarchists, and they are out to destroy this government. And and if George Soros has has to go bankrupt or go dry of all his funds in doing so, he intends to do it. But there was a threat that they wouldn't get any more money funded to the Democrat Party if they don't go ahead with this uh, game plan, you know, because they've tried everything. Mm. And and today, uh, uh, today and the next few days, I believe what we see happening is to get their ducks in a row so that when these people come before these public uh, events and public uh, uh, hearings, they're, they're not going to have another uh, happening like was done with that uh, inspector general that, uh, that they brought before the House and questioned him, and he nodded his head and couldn't even answer questions and didn't know the answers. They're not going to get to that uh, anymore because uh, Schiff argued vociferously that we have seen the evidence of Russia yeah. collusion, <laughs> and, and the evidence wasn't there, and their, the wheels came off of their little old wagon, then <laughs> you know, they were totally embarrassed, and he was caught with his pants down. That's the reason why they're lining up their ducks in a row now, and Nancy Pelosi, uh, because they don't want to be brought into that situation again where, where they're going to be totally embarrassed. But you know what? If we'll pray and seek God, it's all in God's hand, and God has a way of bringing down the crooked and the mighty who do not honor him, and I believe it's going to happen. Charles, uh, before we're, we're, we open up for comments and questions, what you're kind of saying here is uh, we have the, the, the reality or unreality of our political situation. Uh, an outlier named Donald Trump has come out of the woods, and he has started a brush fire. He has ignited uh, in, in the imaginations of young and old alike the seed of hope, the seed of optimism, and, and, and for people to understand that they, they, hey, they can possibly stand up and fight something yeah. that used to, be, used to seem hopeless. Yes. So uh, he's, he's providing a, 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 so this is like a spiritual reawakening, it sounds like. I believe so. Uh, God sometimes uses the political battles that we face uh, that bring along uh, the standard of righteousness that is clearly seen out of those political battles. And uh, uh, we've seen men rise up in the past in political circles. We've seen them rise up in religious circles because of the battles that we face uh, internally as a nation uh, or exponentially. And uh, some of the greatest uh, uh Spiritual fires, some of the greatest uh, uh, religious awakenings have have come uh, to America and and through America because of uh, of the brush fires that we've had to uh, entertain along the way in our 243 some odd years 
uh, as a nation. And uh, it requires of us uh, courage and faithfulness and uh, bearing the standard, the righteous standard, and being the men that God wants us to be, the men and women, uh, because God has uh, a role for each of us to play. And if we'll, if we'll stand true to his calling, whatever that calling is, uh, if we'll stand true to that calling, and I believe there is a calling now upon uh, uh, Donald Trump, uh, perhaps even his family as well. Uh, I believe there is a calling on Donald Trump because it's, uh, it's like he's a standard bearer against the pollution and the corruption that we've seen in Washington for many, many years. I remember I can, I, I remember flying into uh, uh, National Airport years ago and standing on the front there waiting for my brother who was retired Air Force and uh, working with the Depart- Department of uh, Homeland Security uh, to go get his car, come around, pick me up. And there was an evil presence that I could feel so strong. I mean, just just uh, almost almost to, uh, uh, to the point that you could just reach out and slice it with a knife. Uh, it was just a evil oppression that that I felt uh, from from that uh, that area of the country, and I believe it is so because of the great nature and spiritual leadership that our founding fathers possessed and uh, and had in our in our past history. I mean, men like George Washington and James Madison and Thomas Jefferson. I, I think so much of James Madison and how how he really, really fought to help us to have the great uh, judicial system that we have today, uh, uh, legality and law and order and the presence of, of uh, doing what's right, no matter what the consequences are. And uh, I, I just say I'm so, I'm so grateful that I, I was born and raised in a, uh, in a country like this and because I've been in other countries, and and uh, I, you know, you, you you just don't feel at home in some of those other countries. Uh, they're great to visit, but uh, I've come back home from uh, I've come back home from some of these countries. And one time when I came home from Iraq, I was so uh, I was so thankful to be home that uh, in the airport when my wife and daughter met me to pick me up, I laid uh, aside my my luggage and uh, got down on the tiled concrete floor, and I kissed the floor, thankful that I was back home. Uh, <coughs> wow. There have been, been a few times when, uh, when I felt the evil presence over there in that area of, uh, in that area of northern Iraq. Uh, as well, yeah. Oh, well, uh, Charles, thank you for your presentation. Before you go, uh, we always want to uh, provide an opportunity. Anyone on the call, if you'd like to pose a comment or a question for Charles Lingerfield, our guest, uh, please star six your phone, or you can try to unmute on TalkShoe. 
anybody out there, just a comment or question. It sounds like a great way to end the call, and then we'll, we'll put a bow tie around this, Charles. Anybody out there, just a comment or a question or just a thank you, whatever. Well, I didn't say thank you, Charles. This is Didi. And it's so nice, so nice to hear your story again, and 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 your faith in in God and your and your support of Donald Trump. That means a lot to all of us. And just thank you again for coming and sharing that with us. Yeah, thank you so much. I'd like thank to you. think. Uh, Go ahead. I found I found it a very interesting, and and very insightful. That's Rose Lear from Michigan, Charles. Rose, how are you? Uh, oh, I'm fine. I put down three deer this year. <laughs> oh, okay. And one was a nine-point buck. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Rose hasn't been on the call. He said she's had a nine-point buck with a bow and arrow, everyone. <laughs> wow, Rose. <laughs> <laughs> I like those butterfly steaks. Well, here in Michigan, we hunt. Okay. I've got a, uh, I've got a second cousin who lives up there in Michigan, and is a builder. Uh, Whereabouts? Uh, it's near. Uh, he did live in that city where a bunch of. Uh, uh, Muslims had moved in Dearborn. He did live in Dearborn. Dearborn. Yeah. Oh my God! Down. He had to get out of there, right? Yeah, he's out of there now. Did he move to West Michigan? Uh, no, I'll have to look up. If you'll contact me on Facebook, I'll send you his name and phone number, and you can give him a call. He would love to hear from you. He's the son. <laughs> of my first cousin, Mary Ruth, and uh, and he owns a business there. He's a builder and does some of the fine uh, building work that you can imagine. He's a, he's like a perfectionist he's with his art and his technique and building. I mean, he, he won't build it if he can't do it right. So uh, you'd love to meet him. I sure would. Does he hunt? We're <laughs> not playing around here, Charles. I know he fishes, and I do believe he hunts. Well, that's good because you know I like my crossbow and I like my little four ten. Oh yeah. And I know how to shoot both of them. Yeah. If I'm ever up in Michigan, I want to look you up. <laughs> I I may be 69, but I can still I can still get out there. Oh, hey Charles, Charles yes. Rose Lear is, is the one who single-handedly inspired me to pray the rosary, which I have been praying every day since September 10th, 2004. It was it was her the thorn. You know, with a righteous uh, love, uh, Rose, has, has, there's a thorn to it. But, you know, you got to be prodded and pushed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Fred now prays the rosary every day. Every day. 
swear That's to God. impressive. <laughs> wow. Yeah. A lot of miracles have happened, Charles. Thanks, thanks for that rosary prayer. Uh, a lot yeah. of goodwill, a lot of protection, a lot of things have happened since then. Yeah. I also made Fred and a few other people around the country take roses to the yep. closest St. Mary's Church. Yeah, we and did that. at the feet of the Blessed Mother, a red rose, a white rose, and a yellow rose. Mm-hmm. And they had to say a prayer. Yeah, I did uh-huh. that a few times over the years. Good. I'm going to have to do that again, Rose. Thanks for asking me. <laughs> well, you know who I am, Fred. <laughs> well, Charles, thank you for your testimony. And, and and your presentation tonight, uh, very thoughtful, heartfelt, soul-felt, and very spiritual, uh, very inspirational as well. Uh, why don't you just break a final prayer, and we'll put a bow tie around this call. Okay. Us. Okay. Our Father in heaven, we are so appreciative of your love toward us. We adore you and magnify you, blessed Son, Jesus, our Savior, and our Lord. We adore the work that he has done in this, in this earth and the work that he continues to do through the presence of the Holy Spirit in, in our lives and in this earth. We confess to you, dear God, many times we have failed. We have come short of the glory of God. We have sinned, uh, Father, and we pray that you have forgiven us of our sins and the feet of Jesus and the cross of Calvary. Father, we, we thank you for this country, for this nation, for our leaders. We thank you, Father, for the presidency of Donald J. Trump, Donald John Trump. We know that you have brought him in to be our president. He is real. And because of the fact that you have anointed him to be our president, the evil one fights him daily from all different directions. And so, Father, we pray that you will make him strong, give him courage and boldness to be the man that you want him to be, and give us the courage Father, one on this broadcast listening tonight, give us the courage and the boldness to support him and to back him and to help him in every way that we, we possibly can and to help this country be great, be the great leader and great country in this world that we need to be. So, Father, we thank you for this radio broadcast. We pray that you will bless it in multiplied ways and fashion and bless the listeners, bless those who listen and those who direct the broadcast, we pray. Anoint these who uh, are in the leadership of the, the broadcast, Father. Continue to give them the strength and boldness and courage they need and the light and wisdom and knowledge which they need to carry forth in this day and time and help us all to be the life for the city that is set in Christ's name we pray. 
you know, amen. 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 Thank you, Charles Lingerfeld. God bless <laughs> Donald J. Trump. God bless America. Thank you, Rose. Thank you, everyone. Didi, Steve, Charles. Uh, it's been a great, great, great show, Charles. Very inspirational. Thank you so much. Um, God bless we'll, you. We'll send you the audio link, Charles. And, and guys, next week, uh, we're going to try to get uh, Jay Lee on what lines to be, either that or Gary Nobles with us next Thursday. All right. Okay. All, right. All right, guys. Thanks right. again, Thank Charles. See you guys next week. Thanks, Didi. Thanks, Steve. Betty. Good night, everyone. Yeah, Rose. Yeah. Hang on a second. Oh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> A-U-N, American Underground Network. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Charles. Woke up. I think- lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.